Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 371. Well, as often been said, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Larry Crane. Larry, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Click. <laughs> there we go. Larry Crane, who lives in Thousand Oaks, California, is a car guy's car guy. He's a fine artist whose artistry has been the design of automotive posters and publications. From the programs of Riverside Raceway in the 60s to editing and designing Ferrari magazines, his work at Auto Aficionado, a major redesign of Motor Trend in the 70s, editing and designing Vintage Racer magazine, and his days with David E. Davis Jr. at Automobile Magazine, he's had a creative hand in hundreds of projects. He's also a visiting professor of automotive design history at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California. Larry Crane is the quintessential car guy. Larry, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little bit of time here and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Um, one of the questions when you asked in your list of questions that you sent me, you asked for an epiphany. I certainly didn't recognize it as an epiphany, but when I was about six years old, I lived way up in the end of a little country valley called Bolivar Run outside of Bradford, Pennsylvania, where Kendall Oil was. And there was a guy who lived up the run a little farther than me. And I was a child playing with my dinky toys in the dirt next to my house. And he would drive by my house in a yellow, a 46, I would think. It was pre-bullet nose Studebaker, an early Studebaker convertible with what could only be described to me as a loud muffler. <laughs> Top down, roaring past my house on a summer afternoon, and I thought, when I grow up, I want to be him. <laughs> and that was basically all I knew about cars, frankly. And I was early teens, maybe 12 or 13 years old, when we were leaving Pennsylvania. My dad had had his last eight-foot snowfall. We moved to Texas, to the Gulf Coast of Texas. And my uncle, who was only a few years older than my mother, handed me a car magazine. I didn't know such a thing existed. I'd never seen one before. And on the road, on the drive to Texas, I 
absorbed that magazine. And that was probably the most important epiphany. The fact that such a thing existed and all those great stories and those great characters. I was in Texas, finished high school there, started college briefly. That wasn't going to take. Uh, When I was 19, I decided that I really needed to be in California. So I left Texas. Uh, My dad gave me an envelope with $300 in it and said, you're fine, and sent me on my way. Wow. I traded my 54 Ford hot rod with a 312 T-Bird in it for a 59 Hillman Minx. I I couldn't possibly imagine what I was thinking when I did that. (laughs) But I got to California, and, and literally by this time, in the magazine that my uncle gave me, it was a car and driver. It had to be an, a, a what was what was a predated car and driver? Was that Sports Cars Illustrated? Sports Cars Illustrated. I yeah, guess. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a picture in there of Richie Ginther testing a low top Buono Ferrari coupe, and there was a high angle, full page width, a high angle looking down on that Ferrari with that single long line from the headlight all the way to the taillight, and a little window, a narrow window in the side of the car with Richie's arms stretched out to the steering wheel. And I thought that was about the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And that was another automotive epiphany because from that moment on, it was Ferraris and Ferraris were the answer. I carried a copy of that story in my briefcase for many, many years. (laughs) When I went to California when I was 19, it was to see Ferraris. That was was essentially my purpose, was to see Ferraris. I'd never seen one. Yeah. I had no idea what California would do for me. I did a piece in Automobile Magazine. It was about the history of the LA car, the California car culture, primarily LA car car culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I call it California daydreaming. (laughs) <laughs> in there, I quoted Tom Brokaw, who had become a very well-known news anchor. And the, the way it was told, the way I read it, he hadn't gone to college or hadn't finished college, came from Canada, moved to L.A., and became household name. Yeah. In that story that I read, his most important quote was, in L.A., nobody ever asks for credentials. And his phrase was, if you can, you can. (laughs) They can always fire you. I mean, after all, right? (laughs) Right. But I I thought, if you can, you can, was the most powerful thing I'd heard. And that described my arrival in California, particularly in Los Angeles, perfectly. Perfectly. Very cool. I I worked in a little little ad agency in Playa del Rey, did only only car stuff. I'll go back just briefly. My first stop was in Riverside, California. I went to work for J.C. Penney, where I had worked in Texas, moved into a little shop called Automech on University Avenue, working for a guy named Bob Blandon, who had helped put on the, the Formula One race at Riverside in 1960. Went to work for Bob. Everybody who was anybody came into my little shop to buy helmets and gloves and suits and all the things you'd need on your way to the raceway. Mm-hmm. I got to meet heroes I had been reading about for several years at this point. One of those guys was a young man named Peter Brock. <laughs> yeah. Walked into my shop and said, we chatted for a few minutes. And he said, where do you live? And I said, I've got a little apartment in town. He said, I have a house behind turn nine. Would you be interested in looking at that? <laughs> I said, well, yes. Well, Peter was just on his way back to Shelby 
to do the Daytona Coupe. Wow. And his little house that if you stand or if you see a film that's shot from the starting line at Riverside Raceway, looking over turn nine, there were some high eucalyptus trees behind turn nine. That was the house. Wow. And Peter had added a, a living room to the front of the house with an all glass wall from that high angle. I could see almost all of the raceway except about turn five. <laughs> so my introduction to California, I, I could never have imagined how well it would work. The connections that began there, I went into the service. I came back. We had to move to LA. Now we have to get to the city. Yeah. Uh, got a job at a little agency. Again, more people showed up in my life. I joined the Ferrari Owners Club, driving an Alfa Romeo, um, which they allowed at the time. Maybe the best car I ever owned in my life was an Alfa Romeo 1750 GTV, which was as fast as anybody. It was as fast as anybody would drive their Ferraris, <laughs> which tell, there's a distinction in there, as you know. Sure. And that was my, my first track days were with the Ferrari Owners Club and my Alfa. Cool. Based on that drive, Ed Niles, who was one of the founding fathers of the Ferrari Owners Club, had just purchased a, a, a Ferrari 166 Millimilia Spider. And at dinner at Ed's house one night, he said, if anybody would like to take this car to Monterey for the historics, you're welcome. And he's looking straight at me. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, well, sure. He said, here's the deal. You have, it, you have Take the car, you have it for two weeks, learn how to drive it. Put tires on it for me. He was going to pay for them, but I had to just get them installed have somebody go through the whole thing. I took it to Hollywood sport cars and they looked at everything. And then Ed and I drove together up the coast highway. And I, my very first race in my life, a real race was in a Ferrari 166 millimedia. Oh my gosh. So going to California, looking for Ferraris. There you I, go. It was beyond my wildest imagination. <laughs> Based on that drive over a 30 year period, I probably drove 20 different fabulous cars that I used to draw pictures of when I was a kid. I wasn't even sure I'd get to see them. And I was racing. I raced at Ferrari 250 Testarossa several times. I raced Aston Martin DB3S. All manner of great cars were offered to me because I didn't bend anything. I always raced those cars at a thousand revs less than the driver, than the owner did. Mm -hmm. And I was good enough at what I was doing that I was in the front of the row, in the front of the line, using a few less revs and just using the brakes less. Sure. <laughs> so what happened to me in California, I, I could never have imagined. And it is stunning. Yeah, it's an amazing start to an amazing life. Absolutely incredible. Peter Brock, of course, uh, is a friend of mine as well. He's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, but wonderful to meet him back in the day and uh, then get to stay where he lives. So Great stories. I see we're going to learn a lot about you as we progress, but I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or some kind of mantra that has some meaning in their life. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Larry, take the wheel. It's a very simple one. One of my favorite quotes from Napoleon Hill from his book, Think and Grow Rich, was, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. With that as my mantra, I just pressed on. With, with California accepting me kind of out of hand as a car guy with a library, and forward it went. Now, I've done startup magazines as a solo 
editor, designer, writer, photographer, illustrator, etc., etc. My two heroes in that direction are Keith Martin, I'm sure you know, and Paul Fanner, I'm sure you also know. Keith's been a guest here on Cars, yeah. Well, both of those guys started their magazines at about the same time I started doing Vintage Racer magazine for Steve Earle. Now, the difference is, number one, they were business people. They understood how business worked from the beginning. They were very talented. I will immodestly say I have survived on whatever talent I was given. I'd never had that business gene, and I didn't have the courage that those two guys had is to put a line in the sand and make a magazine and, and work with it until it paid them back. Mm-hmm. When I have done solo effort magazines, I've won awards and all those kind of things, but I never had the courage to own the magazine. Mm. So Vintage Racer was owned by Steve Earle. Uh, Auto Aficionado, which was the peak of my life's work. I didn't own that magazine. When the owners of those magazines changed their mind, they ended. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. When Auto Aficionado was running, it was the only car magazine Ralph Lauren had, had ever advertised in, and he bought the inside cover spread for about half of those issues. I remember that publication. It was a wonderful publication. I was so sorry to see it go away. So was I. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you talked about that moment in your life in the backseat of that car driving to Texas with that car magazine is being a, a pivotal moment when you realize that you were a car guy. And then again, after a, a test of college, knowing you needed to go to California, and then, of course, the rest is history. But I'd love to crawl under the hood and have you share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced along the way. Uh, it's a real important part of our talk because it has to do with Not so much the actual event, although we'd like to know what that was, but how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? The first, quote, quote, surprise ending was Vintage Racer when Steve Earle called one day and just said, you know what, we're done here. I had moved to Santa Barbara to do that magazine. So I got a job with a little design firm in Santa Barbara. But before that before I ever got into that office, I got a call from Bill Mata at Road and Track, who had offered me jobs, offered me a job at the magazine three different times before. He said, Crane, this is the last time I'll make this phone call. <laughs> an opening in the art department, I'd love to have you here. Mm-hmm. So Bill Mata saved my life. Mm. It's one of those cases where at the time I didn't have a vast network, but I did have a network. And Bill Mata was a very important element in that network. I was a single dad by this time, and I was took my teenage daughter to Orange County and started with Road and Track. So it sounds like the, the key thing here, you mentioned network. Now, back in the day, we didn't have network connections like we do now with the internet and smartphones and all that. But the key takeaway I get from this lesson learned is keep your contacts alive, keep relationships with people alive. Because in this case, that relationship, you'd kept it alive in some way, and it came back to help you out in your time of need. Without any deliberate effort to maintain these relationships, just being out and about and spending a life trying not to offend anyone, if it's all possible, (laughs) and being active. I would show up everywhere, and I've owned so many cars. I've owned 
50 or 60 cars, I suppose. And they were always interesting to look at and talk about. And I've always had a big library. There are probably something like 4,000 books in my house, but there are several different libraries. There's a steam train library and a sailing library and an architecture library and a motorcycle library. And, a, and of course, the biggest one is the car library. <laughs> what that gives me is the details that fill out a conversation. Mm. And at a dinner with people I don't necessarily know, we can usually find something to discuss at some depth. <laughs> Perfect. I so, love it. Yeah. That's and that cool. keeps networks alive. I mean, it adds to networks because you broaden the scope of your network with the, the uh, knowledge base you have. Knowledge base that you, you, yeah. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to give me one of those aha moments that happens in our careers. It's a time, I like to say, when the headlights came on and illuminated your way to this new idea or this new direction you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. When I moved to L.A., I started the L.A. Times in West Magazine. So I was already in a, had some experience with design and construction of pages. A friend of mine was starting an agency in Playa del Rey, Michael Doan, and his primary client was Keystone Wheels and all the th- products that they made and sold. I took, a, took the job with Mike, went down to Playa del Rey every day to work in this little agency. Five or six years, maybe seven years in, he had a change of heart, decided he wanted to just sell out, take, take his cash himself out, move to Vegas and play. I set up one of the bedrooms in my apartment in Westwood as a design studio, stuck with that network I had constructed and started designing all sorts of automotive aftermarket paper goods and survived. A friend of mine named Wally Weiss, you may have also heard his name. Yes. Wally came into my house, probably in 1972 or three, four, maybe, and said Peterson was looking for, Peterson Publishing was looking for someone to design the Guns and Ammo Annual. Hmm. So I went down and had an interview with, with uh, Al Isaacs, who was the chief of design for the entire company, for the publishing firm. Al and I got along. I took the Guns and Ammo, and it was 350 pages. I turned it in on time. He liked what the pages looked like. And he said, we have an opening at Motor Trend. You want to try that? <laughs> cool. Sure. That was a really enlightening moment because nobody ever makes money working at a car magazine. But you make a living. You have a new car every day full of gas and airplane tickets to Europe. I thought, cool. life is good. And that was the beginning of my, of my life in, car, in uh, car magazines. Very cool. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. And in all these years of working with so many great people and around great products and automobiles, but is there one in particular that stands out for you that you could share with us today? Well, my proudest moment, without any question, is, was Auto Efficient Auto Magazine. I say it was the staff of one. Helen Hutchins is a very accomplished editor, a copy editor, and detail Nazi. I could create an artistic page, and Helen could make the words perfect. So it was the two of us, essentially, who created and carried on with Auto Efficient Auto Magazine until the young publisher changed his mind and closed our doors, and that was that. Yeah. But that magazine was the essence of what my dream magazine about cars would be. And it was based on the brief that L. Scott Bailey had for Automobile Quarterly. Oh, yeah. The magazine would, be, would have maybe two new cars in the magazine. 
and each of those new cars would be wrapped in two or three or four other stories about that car company or about the designer of that car or the engineer of that car so that a reader never had to read more than 2,000 words in a story. But there may be six or 8,000 words about the subject of that car in that magazine. Mm. And that's what Scott Bailey did. He would introduce a new car and wrap it in how it got created. Yeah. So I use that as my auto efficient olive guard. Well, it was a really nice formula. And boy, I sure wish somebody would bring back Automobile Quarterly. I sure miss that wonderful publication. But that's a discussion for another day. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Larry. You talk about owning 50, 60 plus cars in your lifetime. But which one was your first really special vehicle? An Austin 850 Mini. Oh, okay. It was a 1965 Mini. I bought it in about 1967, I suppose. It had to be 67. It had to be 67. And I, I put a BMC comp head on it, which is a big valve head you could buy right off the shelf. I put a pair of inch and a half SUs off an MGA on the head. And I made it into my own Cooper. It was like an 850 Mini Cooper. Mm-hmm. That was my first really special car, and it was my first car project to make something that was mine. Cool. (laughs) Fun, fun little cars. To complete that story just for a minute, that 850 Mini, I had it at Riverside Raceway one time because I lived across the street. I had it parked up in turn six, and a guy named Bill Henry walked up to me and said, I want your Mini. I said, (laughs) cool. He said, I've got an Abarth double bubble 750 GT. And I will trade you straight across for your Mini. Wow. And I said, really? (laughs) So we made the deal. And I drove my car up to the north end of the valley, took his Abarth, drove it back to Riverside. And that was my first, quote, quote, exotic car was that that Abarth. And and with with the help of John Rich at Rich Motors in Glendale, I built an 8,500 RPM hot rod Fiat 600D engine to run it in. Mm-hmm. Run in it, and it would that car ran eighty five hundred revs every single day that I owned it after it was built, and it never leaked, it never broke wow. because of John's mentorship and how it should be assembled, and it was assembled in my kitchen, my kitchen table. <laughs> Very cool, I love that. Of all those vehicles that you've owned, Larry, is there one in particular that you let go that you really had wished you had back in your garage? There are several. Be hard to have one. Further down the line, you asked, you will ask what car, what one car I would keep, and it would be on that list. But my two favorite cars that I owned were a Lancia B20, which I owned for five years. I did a, I did a lap of the Mille Mille with it oh. um, in 1981. Oh. A year before, there was actually an event. I just took the 1957 route, and my wife and I took a month-long tour of Italy on that route. So I, I've always said I had a record lap of the Mille Mille. <laughs> one month. Uh, the other one was an Aston Martin DB2, which is essentially the same car. Yeah. Oh, wow. The DB2 was a pre-war car, and the DB it wasn't really, but its technology was pre-war. Mm-hmm. And the, B, the B20 was the first of the new century, a new post-war era. It was absolutely brilliant in every way. And yeah. I raced it for four years. Mm. Sounds wonderful. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on today? It really has you excited and fired up. I'm between those at the moment. <laughs> the magazine that I do now is uh, is called the 300 Star Letter. It's a color magazine for the International Gullwing Owners Group. Mm. 
it's a terrific bunch of people. They're primarily senior players, retired executives, and most of them paid under $10,000 for their cars. They're now worth a million plus. Yeah. Wow. But they drive their cars everywhere. And I've enjoyed working on that magazine because of the contacts with those guys and women. Awesome. But, Wonderful. But that's my project. Sounds awesome. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Larry. If you were a car, what kind of car would Larry be and why? Well, here again, I, it w I would want to be a Lancia B20 mm -hmm. because it's a very advanced engineering from a Luddite's perspective. And I guess that's what I would be. I'm clearly a Luddite in technologies, basically. But Lancia B20, they took, he took a lot of well-developed old concepts and reassembled them in a different way with a V6 engine in the front, transaxle in the back. It would probably be a B20 because it was a, it's a Luddite's engineering treasure. Very, very unique car. And I think you're the first Lancia B20 to appear here on Cars, yeah? <laughs> so very unique, as I thought your answer would be. So Larry, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars, yeah sponsors. Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of Metrovac's quality products Deliberately made better in the USA. Metrovac is the right choice. Learn more today at Metrovac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CARSYEAH.com slash sponsors. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CARSYEAH.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Okay, Larry, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been on the track. You know what that means. The white flag is out. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy what you love. <laughs> I love that one. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Work ethic above all else. Ah, awesome. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? <laughs> Google. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Google is our friend. Larry and I were having a little pre-show chat about this uh, earlier today about how much you can find out there on the internet these days, Google and YouTube and how-tos and all that. So that's why we're both kind of chuckling at that one. Larry, would you share one book? I know this is going to be tough with a library like yours, but one book you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy reading? I have two. I have Mark D's Miller book, 
the Miller Dynasty is mm. probably the finest automotive book ever produced mm. of any kind. It has everything imaginable, history, technology, science, everything is in it. The, the other one as a secondary would be Griff Borgeson's Golden Age of American Racing Cars. And that is a fabulous book. Yeah, two great books. Yeah. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to these great resources Larry has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Larry Crane. And there's also a great spot on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where these books and all the past guest books are listed with easy, quick links so that you can get your own copies. All right, Larry, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money's no object. Today, I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? It isn't even difficult. Ah, okay. It would be a Ferrari 330 2 Plus 2 second series, five-speed gearbox. I've owned that car twice. I've actually owned the same serial number twice. Oh, wow. 25 years in between. (laughs) Gosh. It was designed by Tom Jarda. Um, who's a friend. It's the most beautifully balanced car from that 60s era. Visually, it had four seats for adults. It was a blast to drive. It made that fabulous early Ferrari engine sound. Mm -hmm. It did everything. And I would have that car again tomorrow as my only car. And what color would you like yours to be in? Mine was a silver blue with dark blue leather. It was the only one I've ever seen. Wow. The, The silver blue exterior is around but it was it was ordered by a businessman in turin and and he asked for a dark blue leather to go with that exterior and it's beautiful ah wonderful car well larry you have taken me on a great ride today i've really enjoyed talking with you and i want to thank you for sharing your journey with the cars yeah listeners and with me could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that ferrari 330 well as often been said do what you love And you never work a day in your life. (laughs) Yes. I think Henry Ford coined that term originally. I may be wrong about that. But But he was talking about guys installing transmissions, and I'm not sure it works in the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, Maybe not. But I think the point is well taken. It's a great quote. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? I I haven't done it in a while, but if you Google Larry Crane cars. Okay. You have to say cars. Otherwise, you learn how to to uh, build your guitar. (laughs) But if you do Google Larry Crane cars, I used to be on quite a number of those early pages and they'll find some printed material that's in there that I've written. And And I think you're, are you active on Facebook? And I'm very active on Facebook. On my Facebook page, I have, and I painted five of the Monterey historic posters along with a bunch of other posters. Some of that is in there. Photography is in there. Most of the cars I've raced are on that page. Very cool. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything we've talked about here today. At Cars yeah. just put Larry in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Larry, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing an incredible life around cars and publications and all the things that you've done. Absolutely fantastic. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.